0: This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to PortlandDistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to PortlandDistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at PortlandDistro.com. Went black podcast please welcome back Jacob Kerwin of all hell a band that I am a huge fan of we've uh, done some dates together several years ago and hopefully we'll be doing more dates in the future it was good to catch up with Jacob we talk about a bunch of stuff including our love for weird fiction and uh, philosophies and things of that nature once you're done with this show, definitely head over to experience the awe and might of the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Of course, I'm referring to my brethren, the elite, the podcasting Illuminati. We provide weekly, excellent podcasting content for all of you. Of course, I'm referring to Horror Wolf 666. Brought to you by Brandon Legion. Into the Necrosphere, delivered weekly by Jackie Smith. There's Everything Went Black. I return with Necromaniacs, along with my co hosts, Mike Skindato and Jeff Kashid. We have Break the Apocalypse, which features Mike's brother, John Draper. Sold Knox. Brought to you by Carl Hikara for all things bizarre, macabre, and esoteric. And please welcome newest member. Iblis Manifestations, brought to you by Cheyenne from the band Trivax. If you want to support Everything Went Black, please go to Patreon and join. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to bonus content for $5 a month. You get the bonus content plus early access to the shows. For $25 a month, you can be a sponsor. It gets you all of the other content on the other two tiers, plus you get a custom ad read if you're trying to promote a business, a band, any kind of project, and that will appear every month at the beginning of the episode. Follow us on all social media, and we'll see you out there. So how's things going, man? It's been a while.
1: Uh, things have been pretty good. For the most part. Nothing really to complain about. Uh put out that new EP. been doing a few shows.
0: You guys just I'm sorry, what was that? Pardon me.
1: <laughs> I just said other than that, doing doing gym stuff and a little bit of artwork.
0: Did you say gym stuff? Like like training and stuff yeah. like
1: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I saw a uh, video on Instagram you doing curls with, like, a barrier or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was goofing off backstage. Uh,
0: how, how much uh, into training are you? What kind of stuff do you do?
1: Uh, mostly, like, just weight training, bodybuilding type stuff. Uh, I used to do a little bit more in the power lifting side of things, but kind of cooled down a little bit on that.
0: Wow. I mean, you're definitely a fit guy. I remember when we played those shows. Um, I, I don't think you and I ever talked about that kind of stuff before. That's yeah, cool. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I. Uh, I'm not really into like w- like weightlifting so much, but uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I you do, do like,
1: some MMA type stuff, right?
0: Uh, Muay Thai, like prim- gotcha. I used yeah. to do uh, you know, a lot more, of, you know, BJJ, and for yeah. like about a year, I trained MMA, but um, cool too many variables i think with that kind of stuff and uh right i just kind of stick to the thai boxing stuff these days
1: yeah actually i was looking into getting into a martial art earlier this year and kind of decided to decided on muay thai if i pursue it so that's kind of funny
0: well i can't say enough good things about it uh right i mean there's i i like Jitsu. it's just that i don't i don't love it like i trained it for um you know, a bunch of years. I used to wrestle yeah. when I was a kid. But uh, right. I, I've always been more into the, the striking sports and stuff like that. Yeah. So do you do anything Definitely. with, like, uh, kettlebells or, you know, like powerlifting? Uh,
1: a, a little bit. Mostly mostly barbell stuff. You know, squats, deadlifts, shoulder presses, bench press, that kind of stuff.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I do that three or four days a week usually, three if I'm being lazy.
0: Three if you're being lazy. That's like uh, – aside, aside from training Muay Thai, like I try to get to the gym like maybe twice a day. Uh, I'm sorry, not twice a day, twice a week. To right. I do like uh, just like deadlifts and kind of um, – Yeah. You know, like my, my weightlifting thing is only about 40 minutes twice a week and the rest Right. Is, yeah. Yeah, the rest is just like uh, hitting pads and sparring and doing drills and stuff yeah. like that. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's actually, doing doing the strength training stuff has actually helped me not get injured. Even though I just got over yeah. an injury recently, Right. I, uh, I, yeah. I noticed that my joints and stuff feel a lot better by doing that
1: stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, there's a whole plethora of mental health benefits and everything, too. You know, there's like more and more research comes out. It's like, all oh, that shit's
0: really good for you. Oh, totally. So these shows you guys just played, it's a, it was a pretty, pretty cool little run of dates you had.
1: Yeah, uh, it was, ended up just being a couple dates. Um, it was actually kind of a last minute thing uh, with our new booking agent. But he was able to get us on those the last two dates of that uh, Pro Fanatica Panzerfaust tour. And it was, both those shows were awesome for us, like, you know great turnouts made a lot of new fans i think saw a lot of old fans as well but you know a little bit different crowd
0: yeah pro fanatic are definitely a you know pretty legendary band and uh panzer right. faust are uh, a band that i just started listening to like maybe two years ago and those guys are great
1: yeah 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 they, they killed it for sure
0: there's um the, the lyrics in their songs I mean I don't, I don't know if you've gotten too deeply into their records but uh that's like pretty well thought out material as far as like yeah you know lyric writing and concept and that kind of stuff
1: yeah, yeah. definitely always respect when uh people put thought into it you know
0: so how long ago did the EP come out
1: uh April like mid-April
0: oh so it's been out for a, a bit yeah. yeah yeah a little bit is it uh the the same lineup as uh, you guys had before? Because I know there was like some drummer filling kind of yeah, stuff
1: going on. It's uh <laughs> it's still me and the the same bassist. We more or less had a studio drummer type situation for this EP, and we have a different drummer now. So.
0: And he he did the shows you guys just played.
1: Yep. We've got a little bit of a, a spinal tap situation going on with drummers but hopefully this one sticks for a while
0: what do you think it is about drummers man it's like <laughs> you know what i mean like every I, I don't know how many drummers i've i've had in tombs man it's like you know, it, I yeah i kind of lost track after a while you know right yeah <laughs> i don't know man i feel like and even when you have like a solid drummer it's like He's playing in like five other bands or something. Yeah, like that.
1: exactly. Because he's, he's reliable. And so everyone relies on him. And then it's just too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so where, where did you guys record the EP at?
1: Uh, we recorded with um, Chris Adams from Black Tusk, actually. Who we made friends with him when we toured with them just prior to the pandemic. And ended up recording at his uh, studio in Savannah and that you know it it went really well I feel like probably we'll work with him again in the future
0: do you enjoy enjoy recording I mean some people like it some people don't some people prefer live like what's your take on that
1: um there's I guess there's parts of it I enjoy and parts of it I don't you know (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a little bit stressful just because you know I'm handling all the guitar stuff and you know, multiple guitar tracks and leads, and then have to do all my vocal stuff, and so it just you know adds up.
0: Do you, uh, you guys I... do a lot of uh, pre-production stuff too?
1: Uh, a, a little bit, probably not as much as we should.
0: I find but the I also... uh, the songwriting process, like that creation process, to be probably the most interesting over recording, maybe. Yeah, yeah,
1: I enjoy songwriting a lot too. But then at the same time I feel like in the studio like when the pressure's on we usually can deliver, you know. Like it brings out the best in us more often than not.
0: How, how about like doing vocals? Is that how excruciating is that?
1: I I enjoy doing vocals. Really? It's yeah. I like recording the vocal stuff more than I enjoy recording guitar stuff.
0: I think that uh, I find it easier to do vocals as far as execution goes than guitar. Because, right. uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, with the guitar playing, you're under a microscope and, you know, every little mm-hmm. thing is examined. Yeah. You know, and...
1: Yeah, you got easier. a little bit more room.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it, With vocals, it's like, it's a little bit easier, but then again, like, it's so hard to be objective about your own voice you know
1: right yeah it definitely helps to have people that you trust because you know if it's just me i'll every single take i'll be like that sucked that sucked that sucked you know
0: yeah you always feel like you do it a little bit better
1: yeah and that's a- another time when it helps to have a uh, like a good producer who knows what you're capable of and can kind of choose when to push you at the right times
0: now, this was the first time you worked with uh, with Chris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who'd you, who'd you guys work with prior to this?
1: Uh, for the three full lengths we did with um, a guy named Chris Hilbert that had a studio called Legitimate Business in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, I think he is not doing that anymore, but, yeah, he was also – a a good guy that knew when to push people and when to, you know, back off a little bit. Yeah. I haven't really had a bad recording experience. I mean, like our first, our very first like self-released album or whatever was kind of just like janky in a friend of a friend's basement more or less. But other than that, you know, it's been, we've worked with good people, I feel like.
0: Now, legitimate business in greensboro was that was that connected to some kind of venue or something like that it
1: It used to I think they also used to host shows there
0: i I have to sit now this is um my memory is uh, anyone out there is listening to this. <laughs> it's like I know I've played there at least once, and then last year. On the tour that we did with Cloak and Restless Spirit, we had a show get canceled, and we played in this like tiny DIY space that I recognized as being right down the street from Legitimate Business. Does that ring right. a bell with you at all? It,
1: it very well may be. I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It actually one of those, it was one of those scenarios never... where we pulled up, and I was like, I know yeah. that I've been here before.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never um played or went to a show there, but I definitely have heard you know stories from people who did. So, it wouldn't surprise me if there was like a DIY spot nearby.
0: Is that band Young Brave from that area? Uh,
1: I'm not sure. I don't I'm not familiar with them.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's like this we're going back like probably like 10, 12 years ago at this point. Yeah. It's been a lot a lot of time has past sort of
1: yeah yeah sometimes i'll refer to something and be like oh it was a couple of years ago and then i think about it and it was 15 years ago or something pretty sure i'm getting old
0: <laughs> time the avenger <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny uh the last time we spoke we kind of touched about on weird fiction and you know lovecraft and all that sort of stuff and I feel yeah. like subsequent to that you and I have touched base more and more about weird fiction and cosmic horror right. and all that kind of stuff and I yeah. um you know I realize that you and I share a lot of the same tastes as far as that's that sort of stuff goes. Mm-hmm. What was your uh, introduction to that? Like how did you, how did you um like what you know what was the first writer you got into? How did that happen?
1: Um I think Lovecraft was definitely the first writer I got into probably my last year of high school. So this is, I don't know, a while back. We'll leave numbers out of it, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I I just always like heard the name here and there, but this was kind of back before, before you you could easily find, Lovecraft at like Barnes and Noble or books a million or whatever like I definitely remember having to dig around to find anything I think actually like I had learned the name probably from seeing old uh VHS at the uh at the like video rental place like I would see you know reanimator and it would mention HP Lovecraft or there was that one uh, necronomicon movie or whatever that had his name on the front right so I was like oh who's this guy and then you know I look look into it and like oh Cthulhu, like that's like the Metallica song or whatever. And did a little bit of research and you know, picked up on his stuff. And that was how I got into him.
0: That's interesting, man. So so it was like the Stuart Gordon films that you know yeah, really piqued your interest. That's, in
1: that's probably my first my first exposure to the name for sure. Yeah, which you know, you know they're 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 some of them are good movies. Not all of them are, are exactly representative of the actual fiction, but.
0: I think they're good movies. They're enjoyable films. I think from beyond is probably the most enjoyable, maybe for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, even Dagan I thought was pretty cool, even though. Uh, yeah,
1: that, that's a, a pretty good one.
0: The budget shows on that one for sure. Yeah. You know, there's they they couldn't get uh, Jeffrey Coombs to play, so they got a guy who kind of looks like him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, he's kind of like the, you know, the second string Jeffrey Coombs, right. like his understudy yeah. to star in the film. Um yeah. But yeah, they're not really representative of the uh, of the actual stories. So after yeah. watching those films and then reading the stories, like, what was your well, first of all. Lovecraft's pretty dense to get into as yeah. as a young kid. So how how do you find all that stuff?
1: Um, I mean, I guess it was kind of hard, but I was used to reading kind of difficult material. I guess just because of you know my interests and in education up to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, still kind of kind of difficult to wade through as a teenager. But um, you know, once. Once I had made it through a few stories, it was like, oh, basically every story has something really awesome that happens at the end. So, you know, they're all worth it. You just got to read to the end to get like the awesome ending or whatever. So I think that kind of, you know, pushed me on.
0: What kind of stuff were you reading in addition to that? I mean, you know, like Poe and that sort of stuff as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As far as horror goes, mostly like
0: Poe like what about other other literature i mean were you you, um you know sort of like an ap english literature guy in high school like i was
1: right right so uh sort of i i I actually (laughs) actually went to a uh to a christian high school and they I don't know. Like everyone I talked to that like transferred there from regular public school or whatever, it was just like, "Oh, this is so much harder." Like, so, so I guess that you know, just the stuff we were reading at a, you know, on a regular basis was a little bit more advanced or whatever. So, I mean, it was probably like the equivalent of AP in public schools.
0: That's really interesting about that because I I grew up with a um, Catholic light, let's say. Like my my family identified as Catholics and uh, the part of uh, New York state that I grew up in was mostly Irish and Italian Mm -hmm. and you know, that Roman Catholic vibe. My, my grandmother was like my, my extended family was like a very big part of my life. So there was this like heavy, like immigrant Catholic trip going on as I was growing up. So that imagery and that kind of like foreboding you know, suffering vibe of the Catholic yeah. Uh, Church. You yeah. Know, it Was very very intense. I mean, I went to a public school, but a lot of people I I was friends with went to a Catholic school. Now, right. was yours a like what what brand of Christianity yeah. are we talking
1: about? It was it was a Baptist school actually, so pretty pretty hardcore.
0: Yeah. I th- it's it's interesting because, um, you know, back in in Europe. You know, the, the Roman Catholic Church, as you know, were persecuting Protestants, you know, and, and a lot right. of that stuff is chronicled, uh, you know, pretty, pretty heavily. And, and it can be said that maybe the United States uh, was a Protestant experiment, you know, of a place uh, fleeing right. religious persecution to come here. But then yes. that brand of religion developed its own... Uh, methods of persecution as well so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure absolutely
0: yeah um if is that i mean when when did you sort of when did your philosophies stray away from christianity
1: um you know probably like like most kids that are raised in that kind of environment um when you're a teenager you just have this instinct to rebel against everything so that was probably the genesis of it. And then, you know, from there, there's just, like, it, it moved from teenage rebelliousness to, oh, I'm, like, learning new things and taking new perspectives into account and everything like that, you know.
0: Yeah, that stuff kind of goes hand in hand, like, discovering, like, punk and heavy metal and all that sort right. of stuff. And then, you know, probably more to the trajectory that I'm on, you start finding different books and you know, things like, uh, you know, Anton LaVey's Church of Satan and right the Process Church and like all that sort of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all super interesting. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I actually, when I went to college, I majored in religious studies. So that's all kind of in my wheelhouse. I tell a lot of people that, and they're like, Oh, you became a priest i'm like no no that's that's seminary (laughs) school (laughs) if you know me you know i'm not a priest uh but yeah i I think all that stuff's super interesting just the sociology and anthropology and the history of all these different religions and the crazy conditions that make you know crazy things happen like I, i wrote a lot about witch trials in europe and in the colonies and you know the environments that environments and beliefs that made those tragic events
0: happen. Yeah. That stuff's very, very interesting. And one of the most fascinating aspects, I mean, cause I, I, I did not formally study anything like that. Like I, uh, right. when I went to college, I studied engineering and, um, yeah, which was like a very useful skill. However, yeah, for sure did not have much, um, wiggle room to take interesting, uh, supplemental yeah. classes. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I probably should have taken less interesting classes, but here I am.
0: Um, well, I don't know. It's, it's like, I, I guess like for me, I was like, man, you know, while I was like studying like fluid mechanics and all this stuff, I really wish that I could have taken some other things that would have right. been a little bit more broadening. But, uh, yeah, but I, you know, as, as a novice, um, philosopher, uh, student of belief systems,
2: like a lot yeah. of that stuff
0: is on independently. I read a lot about that, and uh like the fascinating aspect is like where all three of the major monotheistic religions kind of like how how much they have in common. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the similarities, especially between Islam and Judaism. You know, they have yeah. a lot of the same prophets and and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. That's
1: that's. It's so also, you know, we we probably don't have time to delve super deep on it but an interesting thing about those those three monotheistic religions is uh, they have a ton of similarities but also they kind of differ greatly on um, ideas of evil and where evil comes from that's also another thing that i wrote a lot about like the the problem of evil in different um, world religions like satan plays an entirely different role in christianity versus judaism versus islam it's kind of it's pretty fascinating to look at Maybe we'll have a podcast about that sometime.
0: Yeah, let's do another podcast about <laughs> evil. That, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I actually, I mean, my my, you know, personal interpretation of that is more of like the, the sort of pagan ideology about evil, where it's kind of just another expression of the natural world, really. Yeah. So one of the things we talked about discussing tonight was uh, M. R. James, who's I would say um, someone that I I did not get into in my first introduction to a lot of these writers, even though he's a contemporary of, uh, mm-hmm. like, Robert Chambers and Poe and all those guys, just, you know, basically. Yeah. You know, but he was a name that was sort of out in the periphery. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me at least. I don't know.
1: Like, I, I feel like he's one of those guys that – everyone that's into this kind of stuff has heard of, but not necessarily read very much of, I know I'm not as well read in MR James as I
0: would like to be. I think like if you're from the UK, you know, since he's he's British and also his work has been adapted quite a bit into, um, right. Like BBC programming and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, uh, whistle and I'll come to you. There's like a, there's a film version of that, that, I've never seen myself, but I've heard good like, yeah
1: it. I think there's one about one adapted from Count Magnus as well
0: yeah have you seen I'm, that? I haven't yeah I feel I feel like if you're British, <laughs> like you know about all this stuff and its <laughs> that stuff is so hard to find or even be aware of over here in the states, yeah,
1: yeah, it's weird. it's kind of kind of weird how some people make the jump and some don't across the continent.
0: Yeah. But the, uh, the interesting thing about count Magnus is that he's actually a historical figure.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, count Magnus, uh, de la Gardie was an actual mm-hmm. Swedish noble and, uh, Roback was an actual place. <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah. I don't know, and apparently at that time, uh, scandinavia was kind of like a dark continent in a lot of ways to the brits like they didn't really know much about that part yeah of the world
1: right so it must have you know seemed very exotic or whatever
0: yeah this this is probably one of um this one and maybe whistle or probably like the two you know more more well-known uh tales by uh right by james
1: yeah, I would say so.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, I um, can't
1: remember. It, I'm sorry, Go ahead. doesn't Lovecraft mention Count Magnus in one of his essays? I think that's where I first was introduced to M.R. James is through something Lovecraft said, but I could be totally wrong.
0: I feel like you're correct about that. Um, I can't recall exactly where I read about it. Yeah, but yeah. That. that I, I yeah, I can't.
1: It, I can't remember it. if it was in supernatural horror and literature or one of his other essays, but I know he was a fan.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, this, this particular story, um, you know, it, it sort of ties in the, uh, you know, vampire fiction, you know, ghosts, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, the undead. Yeah.
1: And, uh, yeah. But, and demonic pacts. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of everything just, and this one figure, yeah,
0: you know, and and uh, you know, James is mostly known for ghost stories, so this one sticks yeah. out a little bit more as having you know that kind of uh, that other sort of vibe to it. And also, mm-hmm. I, I always got this sense that there was like, like kind of a not a werewolf, but like some kind of unknown creature in this, you know, mm. yeah, you know, they they, re- they refer to this thing called the Black Pilgrimage, and he brings they never really tell you exactly what it is, but he brings something yeah. back with him.
1: Right. And then I guess that ends up being the little figure that shows up in the engraving. And then, uh, you know, that the narrator or that the main protagonist, I guess is kind of haunted by later is that guy, the, the little figure and count Magnus.
0: Yeah. So this, um, this would have been a good, this would be a good, um, adaptation to see as a film. Yeah, I I think so. And I'm going to have to seek this out for sure, you know, and try to try to get this thing. But um, what I like about it is that it it ties into vampire fiction as well as like this demonic possession sort of stuff, right? And uh, right now is a good time to um, to really be into uh, vampire movies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm we have this yeah. uh, this other film that's gonna be popping up soon that uh the the last voyage of of the demeter yeah and uh just recently I, I rewatched the um the original nosferatu and the the late seventies Werner Herzog remake. Yeah have you seen those both
1: great yeah both great films
0: yeah so the the Demeter opens up this weekend so i'm hoping
1: that yeah you know it, it, it i'm hoping to hoping to make it out and and catch that that's also um my favorite chapter from dracula i think it's like chapter 7 or something but when the when the ship you know comes on shore and everything it's just i feel like it's the most well written as the most uh, picturesque language
0: yeah the captain's log version uh you know entries like that sort yeah. of thing. yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. I have to say, my unpopular opinion about the Dracula novel is that great story, not very well written for the most part.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, Like I said, I do really like Chapter 7. I think the language is really, really great, but there are a lot of problems with the writing, I think, and uh, I get annoyed every time I read it and have to read Van Helsing's (laughs) dialect (laughs) yeah, and just you know the way it's structured is is kind of weird and there's weird stuff here and there but yeah cool story
0: i think that frankenstein is you know since we're you know those two are classic 1800s you know horror fiction gothic fiction much well much better written in my opinion yeah and uh you know very it's kind of has this uh fast moving well edited you know, uh, I know there's like yeah. the 1818 version and then the later version. Yeah, and uh, I think I prefer the 1818 one better.
1: Right. And, I uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that Dracula is kind of a cumbersome read.
0: It's a slog, man. Like I've yeah, I read it once when I was a kid, and uh, and then you know I thought it was cool because it was like all new. There was like a certain mm-hmm novelty to reading it you know especially after yeah. watching the movies and then it's way different like that to read. Mm-hmm. It. and the novelty of it wore off over the years and i just picked up another edition of it a couple of years ago which i you know I reread it and i was like man this is like a slog to get through <laughs> it yeah it kind of is you know and, and like you were saying the dialect van helsing's dialect is very difficult and uh yeah there's um I just heard about this podcast that they're doing audio versions of Dracula, but they're cleaning up the more problematic parts of the text. Which Interesting I yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. I mean yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the book was written like you know, over a hundred years ago and uh Yeah. Obviously the world has changed there's been yeah you know different points of view people are more worldly you know yeah and uh more sensitive to diversity however yeah. to modify the source material like that
1: i yeah i think you lose something
0: yes exactly and
1: in, in being able to understand you know the characters not only Dracula, but the motivations of everyone in the story, so I don't know it's like if you do something like that, then that's something that you have to be cognizant of
0: yeah, because part of me is like, well, if you have such a problem with the material, uh why do the project you know right yeah you know, if the material is problematic to you then uh you should stay away from it, right right yeah, it's kind of I don't know I um At first i I was like interested in checking it out and then the producers of it were guests on another podcast that i listened to and uh they were describing that process that they were going through and i was just like i um, you know i respect your uh point of view on that you know however it's not really for me and i question why you would want to take something like that on
1: yeah yeah, I don't feel like that's really something that I would be interested in. No, definitely <laughs> like, not. like, like you said, if if you know, if you want to, like, if you have such a problem with something that you have to totally dismantle it and change everything to that extent, it's like, well, why aren't you just? It seems like if you don't like it, why are you spending your time with it? Almost.
0: Yeah. Totally with uh with the lyrical writing for um the all hell stuff like what you know basically what what are your inspirations when it comes to that sort of stuff
1: a lot of uh weird fiction and also mythology and uh just you know occult and religious texts a little bit of everything swirled together
0: yeah i was picking up on that you know especially uh being a fan of the band as well.
1: Right. Yeah, the the latest uh the latest EP is kind of a I don't know, the first the first three songs are connected and the last three songs are, you know, re recorded versions of really old songs off the first album, but the first three are kind of tied together with this you know, slightly uh apocalyptic vampire cult nonsense going on
0: <laughs> now do you draw from the sort of mythology of vampires or you sort of extrapolate that and come up with your own ideas both for sure well i know that you guys are also big uh misfits fans and uh did yeah. you get, did you get? have you had a chance to see the these these new misfit shows at all i
1: did so i went And saw the second one they ever did at a Riot Fest in 2016, I think it was. And then um, just actually a few weeks ago, maybe, I don't know, I guess it's like a month and a half ago now, I made it down to the show they did in Tampa. Uh, All Hell actually had a show up in Georgia the night before. And I kind of just on a whim was like, you know, I'm halfway down there. There's still tickets. I'm going to go see the Misfits. It was a good time.
0: Yeah, it's I I sort of um like the first wave of shows that they did I missed those. Yeah, I think there was a conflict with um, some touring that we had possibly. Right. You know, and then right right uh, earlier this year they announced some shows up here in in, uh, in the northeast in uh, New Jersey, and uh, right I was like, you know, man, this might be really. One of the last times I get a chance to see Danzig perform this material right, you know what I mean like you know this guy's getting up there in age. who knows how long they're yeah. going to be doing this? You know, I'm a massive Danzig fan, so I decided to bite the bullets I got got a bunch of t- two tickets and you know we went nice had a great time and
1: that the Newark show
0: yeah Newark man and
1: cool that just, that was like the week the weekend after the Tampa show, I think
0: yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think you guys might have had better uh, support on that show. I think – did Megadeth play that show? Yeah. Yeah, see, we, we didn't have anything like that up here. Gotcha. I'm not going to slander the bands that went on before them, but <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was not my cup of tea, man. And it was like – <laughs> It's Fair like we, we got there. And the, the funny thing about the Prudential Center in Newark is that, you know, You and I probably aren't used to going to places like this. It's like, yeah, you know, this like sports complex, you know, there's all these different nooks and restaurants Mm -hmm. and places you can hang out at. So I remember we got there, we ran into some friends, and uh, it was like a whole other social experience before the Misfits actually went on. And then once we heard the, you know, the, 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 uh, sound check you know just doing a line check before they went on i'm like oh damn we better get our seats right now yeah but not 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 for nothing i went not to see doyle you know and jerry only you know i went to yeah. see glenn and dave lombardo play those songs right you know, i they had uh this dude ac slade on stage right
1: playing like c- secret second guitar dude
0: that was like <laughs> like the fucking we're you know we had we had like fairly good seats um yeah we to see the stage you know we weren't you know it was like this kind of date night thing for me so we yeah you know wanted to have seats and be comfortable and all that so um the stage is like super dark and i'm like wait i see some guy like standing next to the the drum <laughs> riser, like all like in the shadows and stuff You know, right like, yeah like he wasn't like up front you know and yeah, i was like kind of kind of a weird situation oh, yeah it's like oh yeah don't don't look over there you know there there's a guy playing all the songs <laughs> yeah. and it was like i don't know that that i knew what i was in for you know that's all i'm saying right you know and yeah. i had a great time i i, I didn't care you know but yeah. one of the things i learned about and this is cuz my girlfriend is uh, a jersey native and, and mm-hmm. she knows a lot about the kind of obscure stuff that goes on out here. Like there's, there's tons of bands that, and, and because I spent most of my life living in New York on the other side of the river, a lot of these bands like never seemed to make it over into the city, you know, where they would play Yeah. locally, but they would have like a massive following like in New Jersey. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, just across the river.
0: Yeah. And that's where that Mike hideous guy came from, who was like only never recorded with the misfits. And mm-hmm. only toured with them briefly. But yeah.
1: up here I was like uh, for some South America
0: shows, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. kind of like this like legend in some ways, especially in, in the, yeah. the the greater metropolitan area up here. Right. So I learned about him that weekend and I was like, wow, that's like uh it's like a local like mythological figure. And then I mm-hmm. discovered like his band, you know, Empire Hideous. And uh, yeah, it's like this very obscure story that I found completely fascinating. Are are you familiar with yeah. this guy at all?
1: I'm a little bit familiar, uh, not super familiar. I do know, like I basically know the things that you just said. I know, um, you know, he was kind of associated with the misfits and, you know, he did that South American tour, I guess, when either Graves couldn't do it or was temporarily fired from the band. I don't know. It depends on who you ask about that, I, I think. Um And then there were, like, rumors that maybe he was going to be the new vocalist, but I guess that didn't pan out. And then, I don't know. I know I've listened to some of his Empire Hideous stuff, and uh you had mentioned that autobiography, which I haven't read, but I do remember uh seeing something about it. And I think they were making a documentary also but i think there was maybe some drama with that and i don't know
0: yeah the, the uh my girlfriend has like uh the first press of the biography but mm-hmm. I, I there's there's been like an expanded edition that just came out in the last like, gotcha. m- maybe year or so so i ordered that one and um i'm in the middle of reading that as well and uh it's um i don't know i'm fascinated by it it's it's like one of those like things that you just for me personally I find these like obscure like local guys and I just get yeah. deep into it like in the area of New York New York where I grew up there's a guy named Richie Scarlet who um you know I, I don't even know what happened to this dude but he was like a guy when I was a kid that he had like he was like a a, a household name if you were into like like metal you know, Mm -hmm. thrash and stuff like that. But he was like a little bit older. He was from like a different era. He was more like a late 70s guy that got sucked into like this weird punk metal crossover kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, like I think he played in um, Ace Frehley's band for a while. He played with Joan Jett, like all these types of people, you know what I mean? He was like this kind of, he had his own thing going on. It's called like Richie Scarlet and the Seducers was like a was one band That's that cool. he had, and then, but it was like all of that sort of really raw heavy metal with like a, right. a weird punk edge to it, you know. And I, yeah. I, I if I could find this stuff, I on MP, I have like a, I have one seven inch that this guy made, and yeah. Um, I'll, I'll try to find maybe YouTube videos or something. I'll send it to you. I think you might dig it actually.
1: Yeah. Definitely be down to check it out,
0: but I feel like Mike Hideous falls into that realm of like known by a very small subset of people, but relatively obscure. And even you know, Mike Hideous, even the fact that he was in the Misfits, is only performed live with them, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I definitely know what you mean though, with these weird, kind of like regional, mythical characters.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a, yeah, they're like folk heroes in a way, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar um, up in uh, Boston, closer to Boston, Salem area. I don't know if you know um, Lou Miami at all.
0: I've heard that, I've seen that name in print, but I don't know anything yeah. about it though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it, he's, was another one of those like, you know, regional mythical guys I'll have to send you some of his stuff it's it's pretty cool i mean it's a little more you know punk and new wavy but i know you're into a lot of that stuff too so
0: yeah definitely i have a pretty wide you know yeah like palette when it comes to music yeah so as far as uh the ep and all that if you want to let everyone know like where they can you know download it or buy it or buy the physical copy or stream it or that sort that sort of thing
1: Right, yeah. It's uh, called All Hail the Night. It's three brand new songs and three songs of our first 1st uh, first full-length re-recorded. sound a lot closer to how we sound live as opposed to how we sounded nine years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's on Spotify and all the streaming platforms, and if you want to buy a physical copy, it's allhail.bandcamp.com is the best place to do it.
0: Right on. And what about like uh, social links and all that sort of stuff where people can find you guys on like all the channels? Yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: Instagram at allhellband, facebook.com slash allhellband.
0: That's pretty much it. Are you on, uh, you know, like threads or uh, fucking Twitter or anything like that? No. X X is, I think it's called X now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We used to, uh, we used to have a, a Twitter page, but it, you know we kind of lost interest yeah. haven't used it in several years yeah I'm in
0: the same boat man
1: and likewise why you know neither I nor the band have made a threads account especially since it's mostly text-based I and mean, I don't feel like generating a bunch of content that I don't even own right <laughs> um, show. Show wise, I, I got it. We got a few, uh, a few little fests coming up. Oh, it's here uh, right. September thirtieth, we're playing in Lexington, Kentucky at the Up the Pups Fest, which is a animal benefit show. Uh, some friends of ours organize every year up in Lexington, so we're going to be doing that. Uh, October twenty first, we're playing the Shadow Woods Metal Fest reunion oh. in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. That one should be pretty cool. I think uh, Panopticon is headlining. Wow. And there's a lot of killer bands on that one. Uh, November 10th, we're playing Steel and Stone Festival in Asheville. There's a lot of cool uh, traditional metal bands on that one. And then still in the works, but we'll have some tour dates around that one in November and then later in the month and a few in December as well. But hopefully any, we'll have uh, those announced.
0: Any dates up here?
1: Uh I'm not sure yet. We're working on it. If, if we don't make it, uh, north this year, then definitely in the spring, but hopefully by the end of the year.
0: Shadow woods, man, that is that, Did they bring that back? Is that what it is?
1: So this, this one is, is more, it's, I guess it's called shadow woods reunion. I okay. think it's a bunch of bands that have played before uh, we played in 2017. We were supposed to play in 2018, but there was a hurricane that affected some of our travel and we didn't make that one, but yeah, this is October 20th and 21st. It's a two day thing. I think there's like six or seven bands each day, but yeah, it's all bands that have played the fest before.
0: Yeah. We've played that a couple times actually back in the day. Oh yeah.
1: Um, when it awesome. was in, I
0: think it was in Maryland originally.
1: Yeah. 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 It was, I think there was, I think it was just getting too hard to get the camp maybe yeah. that they used to have it at, but I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, there was definitely some logistical um, problems mm-hmm. with that. You know what I mean? Like right. lighting things the right way and just after a while, you know, you're just standing around and just in total darkness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> which yeah, is cool, sure. you know, but <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it was just kind of hard to manage it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's definitely cool though. And the promoter who does it is a great lover.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mary, right? yep yeah yeah she's great i haven't i haven't seen her in a while but she's awesome yeah for sure actually she was a guest on this podcast uh several years ago. oh yeah really that, yeah that's funny yeah definitely yeah we go back for we go back several years so awesome yeah well, it was uh great talking to you man and um yeah, yeah. keep my eyes out great to talk I'm to wanna, you too want to check you guys out when you come up here this time this time around yeah
1: for sure i'll uh i'll let you know all right man Have a good night. All right. Thanks for having me, dude. You got it. See ya.
2: Let the night run red.